Um, I, I want to get announcements out of the way. We're going to have some fun. We're going to look at a little video here in a few minutes from uh, our, the Fathers of Restoration. And then I'm going to preach a sermon and we're going to go celebrate our fathers. But let me make you aware of, just again, I want to say to everyone, you all are a wonderful church family. We try our best to lead, and you all are doing a good job following. And just all the inconveniences of what we're going through, it's just remarkable to see this crowd this morning right here in June. So let me, from the staff, we just all say thank you. And to the staff and our great team of volunteers, Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you see a parking lot attendant today, you ought to tip him. Those guys are amazing. You know, tip him. Tell him he looks good. He's handsome. Whatever you feel like doing. And then lastly, after the service, you may have seen, um, we have some Georgia delicacies for every family. We have some Yankee delicacies. They're um, Cracker Jacks, but we have the real stuff. We got some hot bowl peanuts up in here for all the fathers. Doesn't that sound great for breakfast? How awesome is that? And so, and then there are photo ops in the courtyard and right out here under the portico. I want to honor some dads. I want to ask this morning, um, we're going to do three different ones. One is, who's the youngest father here this morning? And then, who is the oldest father? And then, who is here today, a father with the most amount of children? So is there a father, anybody here under 25 years old that's a father this morning? How about 28? That's our only one? That's awesome. Come on up, sir. How awesome. Have we met? Tell me your name. Seth. Okay, because I was like, wait, oh, this L4. Is for oh, that's for your yeah, pickup. Okay, sure come on up here. Make sure I get the kids back. Make sure you get your kids. Yeah. On Father's Day, it'd be good if you show up to yeah. pick up the right kids. Yeah, it? it would. It'd make their day, I it's think. It's good. They got them itemized and everything. It's awesome. So tell me your name again. Seth. And last name. Waddell. Waddell. Yeah. Um, how many children do you have? Two. How old are you? Uh, I'm 25. 25. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, as you're raising your two children in today's crazy world, what's your greatest challenge or fear? Um, that I, you know, kind of stray from the word. You know, I, I have to stay grounded in the word, me and my wife both, and um, raise them according to kind of how, how Jesus would want them to live, so... According to the word, yeah. Ephesians 6, 4, yeah. raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Yeah. Anybody else ever shared that fear? So let's pray. Father, thank you for Seth and your wife's name? Uh, Keisha. Thank you for Seth and Keisha and their young family, those two precious children. Lord, we just commit him and all of us to you, Lord. You are strong when we are weak and when we confess our need and desire for you and your strength, you fill us up. And I just pray that you would give Seth more of your spirit to empower him to be a godly example, to set a model before his children that they would be raised in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, that he would be a signpost throughout their life pointing them to you. And I thank you, Lord, that he's not perfect, none of us are, but you, Lord, love us in our imperfection and even in our brokenness, you use us. So over Seth, 
this year, this day over his family. We speak life and blessing and joy and overcoming faith and favor in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you, Seth. We love you, buddy. Praise the Lord. All right. Who's the oldest father in here? It's easier on Father's Day. Mamas don't want to tell us how old they are until they get to a certain age, and then they want to tell us how old they are. Any dads in here over 75 years old? One, two, over 75, okay. Anybody over 80? How about that? You just went ahead and stand up. I bet you must be Shine Joseph's dad. How precious is that? Come on up, brother. How awesome. Come on, Mark, join us. How old are you? I'm completely 81, running on 82. You're, you're 81, running on 82. That's awesome. <laughs> Tell us your name. Yeah, I trust you. That's exactly right. <laughs> I, with a, we just call you Shine's dad. How about that? Um, can you... Tell us the one lesson you've learned that you pray all fathers would know. A lesson about raising children. This is a great man of God. Many years in ministry and prayer in India. A passionate father, a godly man. And I want to tell you, man, you should have had more children, you and your wife. We've got one of them here, and we're praying the other one will come from Florida. And when they do, you can come with them. How about that? Oh, okay. But sure. you've raised some remarkable children, and your grandchildren are quite special too. Amen. There's a couple others here that think their grandchildren could compete with yours, but that's okay. Do you understand me well enough to share one of the things that you would encourage our people as yeah. a father? Yeah, you know. I believe, you know, as long as we live in the world, we have to be the witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. At least every day, tell about Jesus Christ and his salvation to at least one person. You know, to be a witness to and share yes, the story of salvation. Yeah. That is what God has entrusted upon us. Amen. How precious is that? This is a gift for you. And your family, may you be blessed. And let's pray for our brother. Father, thank you for this great man of God, for his 81 years of fruitful living for you, and the testimony of what his family has meant to us, the blessing his family has been to our church family. We speak life and blessing. We speak health, long, fruitful living. May he enjoy his children, grandchildren, if it be your will, his great-grandchildren. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. It's a joy and an Amen. honor to have you on Father's Day today. Thank we love you, you brother. Thank God you bless so you. Much. Come on, give God praise for you. All right. How many of you have a lot of children? How many of you know one child is a lot? Ever how many you have is one too many? Can I get a witness up in here? It's the truth. 
Candace and I used to hear, after the fourth child, it doesn't matter. You don't even notice them. Whoever said that is a liar. You notice every last one of them, especially when you take them out to eat. You have to wait for a table that's for more people, and it costs more. Can I get a witness? Um, anybody have five children or more? Right here? Right here? Anybody have... Okay, how many children do you have? Five. Five point five. Awesome. <laughs> how many? Okay, five point zero. How many? Six point zero. Six point zero. Amen to that. That you know of. Oh my goodness. Stretch your hand this way. Anybody got more than six? Okay. Is that Bill Sharp? Good. Okay, wow. Anybody got more than 10? Sorry, Barry. Try harder. Come back next year, bro. Come on out, brother. Let's give this. Come on out. How awesome. 10 children. It's taking them a little while. You can understand why, can't you? <laughs> How wonderful. Come on, praise the Lord. Come on out. Bless you, brother. Tell me your name. David. David Ogundi. David Ogundi. Ogundi. Yes. Where are you from? I'm from Nigeria. Welcome. You know, we've got a lot of Nigerians in our church family, and we're glad to have you. We need more of you. You know, you, you people know how to pray, know how to worship. Y'all know how to have church. And you apparently know how to have kids. You know? <laughs> You've been fruitful and multiplied. Amen. We get five more of you. We're going to have to add our third and fourth services, that you know. Um, in raising ten children, what would you, what's the advice you'd give to all fathers here this morning, the thing you've learned, the way you would like to encourage them? Yeah, they, they. The greatest challenge is actually getting all the 10 children to uh, accept Christ with you. Yeah. It's, um, we've got some of them who have accepted Christ, and some of them are on their own. And we're praying for them. What we do is that, like today, we have a family fellowship every, every Sunday. Uh, they are all scattered. We have some in California. We have some in Nigeria. We have some in, uh, in, in, the, in the, the UK. But we meet together wow. every, every Sunday for fellowship, and we try to present Christ to them. Isn't that wonderful? As you delight in the Lord, David, may he give you the desires of your heart. May you see every one of those children come, even as the prodigal in Luke 15 said, from a long way off. And you're talking about UK, you're talking about Nigeria and California, that's even a longer way <laughs> off. But um, may the Lord bless you. And would you receive this gift as a blessing from us today? Let's pray for David. Father, we pray for every one of those children and grandchildren. We thank you for their godly heritage. The prodigal, you said, Lord, he squandered his opportunity but he came to his senses. And when he was a long way off, you ran to him. I pray that 
David would see the day when his entire household, Acts 16, he and his entire household would experience and know you as their Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And for every father here, may we make our children's salvation, their biblical faith, our ultimate ministry. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. God bless you, brothers. Thank you for being here. Isn't that wonderful? This morning, I want to share just a few minutes about practical advice for Father's Day. And um, when we start talking about practical advice, I just, it is spiritual and it's scriptural, it's biblical, but I want to get just on a practical level and I want to talk to you about fathers. And when we're talking about practical advice, common sense, wisdom, we can look directly into the book of Proverbs. Proverbs talks a lot to fathers, to mothers, to husbands, to wives, and to sons and daughters. Proverbs chapter 6. I pray that God would give us ears to hear what the word of the Lord says this morning. In verse 20, Solomon says, My son, obey your father's commands, and don't neglect your mother's instruction. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, here's what will happen. Their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, they will protect you. And when you wake up, in today's world, how many of you know we need this? Those words, they will advise you. For their command is a lamp and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is the way of life. As a father this morning, an imperfect father, I just want to encourage all of our dads. And I want to represent you today. Um, some of you are dads. Some of you are moms who've had to play the role of dad. Some of you are single dads. Some of you are stepdads. There's all kinds of different dads in the room today. But I think what I'm about to share is going to represent us all. And so there are some things that I think dads want everyone else to know. And the first thing is this. Being a dad is hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Being a husband is easier than being a good, godly, consistent father. Being a pastor, it's a piece of cake. Being an effective, good, godly pastor is a piece of cake compared to being a good, godly, consistent father. But you can't be a good pastor if you're not a good father. I'm just saying being a father is hard work. Can I get a witness? And um, secondly, dads want you to know that raising children is expensive. <laughs> Families are expensive. And so we want you to know, one of the things we want you to know is the value of a dollar. It helps the family, the marriage, if everybody understands. Life is expensive. I'm not trying to be cute. I mean, dads want you to know this. We work hard to be able to provide. The third thing is we want you to know that it would be wise for you to be careful when you make fun of us. 
Because one day, chances are, you're going to be exactly like us. Fourth thing you should know is, we want you to know is, that the virtual world that you live in, it's not the real world. And we're not preparing you for the virtual world. Our God-given challenge is to prepare you for the real world. The fifth thing we would want you to know is, what we thought were human advancements years ago with technology and smartphones and iPads and 24-7, whatever you want to watch, whenever you want to watch it, wherever you want to watch it. We thought that was a human advancement. It was not. It has changed life, especially family life. And we know you are facing more constant temptation that is deadly than we did. And our job is to protect you. The sixth thing, we want you to know is we are not perfect and we know it. We could use a little grace sometimes and we're striving for, for, for perfection and not being perfect is not an excuse. There are no excuses. You don't get do-overs in raising children. But we're not perfect and we know it. We have to live with ourselves. The seventh thing that we want you to know is that you're going to need a good work ethic. My dad told me a million times, hard work never killed anyone. You need to know that. You're going to have to work hard. You're not entitled to everything. You're not entitled to anything. We want you to learn how to not be afraid of hard work in a world that wants to give you a trophy for showing up. Any dads out there? I know y'all are quiet this morning. You're letting it sink in, I pray. Number eight, I just said it. Everyone does not get a trophy in real life. When I was a football coach, especially in the younger years, and the team mom wanted to get a three-foot trophy for everybody on the team, even though we won three games and lost seven. <laughs> I said no, and I was a stick in the mud, but we did turn the tide in the 40-some teams in our park up in South Forsyth. Get them a relic, get them a football, put the name, every name of the team, but don't get them a trophy. That's not setting them up to become better in life. And we want you to know, not everyone gets a trophy. Raising our children, they could tell you, there were times that they would say, Dad, that's not fair. And I would take them through a biblical story of what is fair. And I would say, and they learned it at a time, once they got a little older, I go, you're right, it's, life is not fair. What's fair? What do we deserve? Death. Why are we not killed? Because Jesus came and he died on the cross for us. And why did he die on the cross? So that we can be saved and never die. And I'm like, life isn't fair, is it? We get some stuff that we don't deserve that someone else purchased for us. Are y'all out there this morning? <laughs> Number nine is we want you to know that we love you. And our brokenness for some of us can keep us from being able to meaningfully 
express it. Being a man is not easy. And when we were not shown properly how to express it, it's like learning another language that we've never been taught. But we do. We love you more than we can express. Number 10. More than anything, we want you to have a real encounter with God. We want you to know that God is real. And your salvation is the number one concern we have. Not your grades, your ability to catch a ball or hit a ball or throw a ball. Our number one desire is to know Jesus, not just know about him. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Anybody, any moms want to join in that list and go, yes, I'm down with that. Come on. I'll wait for a couple of you. Now, um, the sources for me to learn how to be a father started with my dad, who was raised as a little orphan boy in Danville, Virginia, small town Virginia. His dad came back from World War II and was dealing with mental issues. He murdered my dad's mother at 19 months old. I know many of you have heard that story ad nauseum, but forgive me. Um, but my dad, at 15 years old, August 19, 1951, I think it was. I heard him say it many times. And um, he came to Christ. He was raised in a Presbyterian orphanage by godly people. And I'm so thankful for them. That's my dad. That's where I learned. I learned some things to do and things not to do. Candace's dad is another one that I've witnessed. And he recently passed. It's unbelievable. In, in what, nine months, we lost both of our fathers. Her dad was raised in a little mill village with a, you could almost spit out of their back porch, off their back porch and hit the railroad tracks in Wake Forest, North Carolina. He came to Christ. His grandmother, his parents had mental challenges and abuse. And he came to Christ. And at 21 years old was the Sunday school superintendent of the Wake Forest Church of God. And we come from places where we didn't have perfect dads, but we had really good dads. The other place, of course, I've learned how to be a father is in the Word. And um, there's some practical uh, resources that I want to highly recommend. Number one, the greatest book on parenting besides the Bible that I've ever read is this book right here. I'm a John Roseman junkie. Like I have a man crush on a couple men. Eric Metaxas is one and this is the other one. I confess, so pray for me. Um, but the John Roseman, um, I've given literally hundreds of these. We probably have 40 or 50 copies, I think, in the office right now, and you can pick them up. But it, it is a phenomenal book. I've read it and taught it. I've read it multiple times. Um, another person that I look to a lot is Dr. Dobson, but I love Dennis Prager. And um, Dennis Prager is an Orthodox Jew, um, and I don't always agree with him, of course, but even when I don't agree with him, I love how he makes me think. And he has some thoughts about raising the next generation in an, in an entitled world that are like revolutionary, amazingly biblical. And him being an Orthodox Jew, we should not be surprised by that. In fact, 
PragerU and the Fireside Chats, the one this week is worth you doing a Google search. Probably, please wait till after I finish the sermon. But I highly recommend it. Because he says some great things about what kids need today. Um, and then I've, I've, I've watched some of you dads. Honestly, there's some heroic supermen dads in this church. And um, I have great respect for it. And I don't say that in a patronizing way. My girls, my, my family have talked about um, Judah Regenstrife and Evie and the job they're doing with their girls. And there's a number, I could... I shouldn't have even mentioned that name because there's, there's a handful of people that you're remarkable. You're raising like stellar kids. Our church is blessed to have you. You know, um, Dylan and Caroline, Dylan's, they've just joined our staff. And, you know, last week, I think it was, he said, you know, who can get 130 men for a, man, a, a men's breakfast in vacation month of June at 7 a.m. on Saturday? And Arvel, his dad, said, nobody can except Restoration Church. And it's because we have such godly men. And I want you to take a look at this little video. And it's, it's, it's all of our dads. So enjoy. Dunn family, one apple, take one, common mark. A natural born leader. Somebody that cares for you, help you through your manly issues. Basically just being a know. fun dad. And playing games. A daddy date. Somebody that always protects the family and someone who's there to provide. Really carry out the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace. We daddy sprays us with the hose. Sense of humor, always planning ahead. I think in my life I've probably had 80 or 90 teachers. I learned 100 times more from my dad. He's really, really funny. He makes me laugh too. Everything except his punishment. <laughs> when he took us to the aquarium three times. I think I love most getting to see them thrive and flourish and come alive. I mean, I feel like I learned just as much from them, seeing their pure heart, uh, being like a child, having childlike faith. Opportunity to provide, cultivate, and protect. You know, things that you would, uh, a male or man would, would naturally do, like in nature, <laughs> you do that for your own house, so that's a blessing. The sense of purpose it gives you, uh, and your life is about somebody other than yourself. To be a restoration father is to be a real man, uh, someone that's willing to step up and uh, to lead their family the way Jesus led. Yeah, restoration's at the core of it. You forgive quickly and love. When we moved from Los Angeles, our church did not have a lot of depth of range as far as age. And my favorite thing about being a part of restoration has been able to see a lot of different dads at different stages of life and feel that they are both a resource and a, a learning tool for me. Restoration really has been such a sense of family and community and you know that that love that Pastor Chuck always talks about 
and seeing other dads modeling it and, um, and you know, walking the walk, not just talking the talk. Even if you didn't have any family, you have a huge family if you're at Restoration. It's, it resembles a, just a biblical man of valor, you know, someone who upholds, you know, biblical truth, someone who is selfless, esteemed other higher than themselves, who understands their role. So for me, you know, that's, you know, it, it aligns with what I aspire to do. demonstrating great affection, right? If my kids just feel, not even here, but feel from me my affection for them, then uh, I feel like I will have done a good job reflecting my Heavenly Father, right? That I, I have experienced that from God. So grace, the amount of grace and mercy that He has on us and His ability and His heart to be able to you know, love us still and provide for us and make and open doors for us in spite of is, is a blessing. The most difficult challenge as a father has been to know when to step off to the side and allow the Lord to do the work that he needs to do. When you have kids, you have to lay down your life at a whole nother level. And it's, it's really tough to find time just for me. Um, and that's a sacrifice you just you have to make when you're a dad. Expectations versus reality. A lot of times you set expectations for, you see things, you know, uh, potential and things, and the reality doesn't always hit, and maybe in the time frame that you would like it to. The most difficult challenge is to make sure that the decisions I'm making are not my decisions, but the, the path that God has for myself and my children. Dad, I'm very proud of the dad you've become, especially the last year and a half. Everything has been almost completely changed and it has been great. I want to thank you for being a great dad and being there for me. Thank you for um, being committed to our family and always fighting for us and never um, giving up. The Thank you for being the first generation that I know in our family to take a step forward and, and hold truth of what God's Word says. Thank you for that. I just want to thank you for being so deliberate and being a great grandpa. Dad, thank you for being a good dad. Caring about generational things and for fighting for our family in that way. Like a life jacket, you know, like a lake. So if you're drowning, you grab it and that's it. And you're safe. So thank you for that. Come here. I just want to thank you for being unwavering in the things of God and the way that you set our family on the values and the principles. And a lot of people can do that on a big scale, but you're very consistent even in the small things about making sure that we're diligent about this and, and keeping that mindset. And I appreciate the father that you are to our children. Wow. Dad, thank you so much for being there for us and being, especially with like mom and stuff and all that stuff. And um, the hard stuff that we went through, you were always there. Thank you for having me.
Thank you for letting me snuggling you back when it's nighttime and when I get scared. Daddy, mm -hmm. I love you. I love you too. And thank you for giving us dinner every day and having... Oh, is this a mic? Thank you for just like guiding me in the right path that God's chosen for me and um, helping me along the way, knowing that my passion's singing to God. And thank you for just being there in hard times. Absolutely. Yes. Daddy, 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 daddy. Who's the coolest dad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love dad jokes. I got a dad joke for you. You ready for the dad joke? So somebody tried to sell me a coffin yesterday. That's the last thing I need. What? Give it up. That's wonderful. Thank you, Brian Porzio, for putting that together for us this morning. It's delightful. For a few minutes, let me just share. John Roseman in the book, he talks about the three R's of parenting. The three things that we distill it down that we want our children to learn. And one is, he, wants, we, he, he says that we are to teach them respect, responsibility, and resourcefulness. Listen closely. Those, those don't sound like spiritual terms, but I'll give you the scriptures for him here in just a minute. That we're to teach respect for the fundamental dignity of every human being, which children develop by first learning respect for people in positions of authority, beginning with their parents. That's respect. Responsibility. Roseman says, in two equally important senses of the term, first, accountability for one's own actions. Second, a willingness to carry out tasks assigned by authority figures, as well as those that are simply due the family or the community by virtue of one's being a member within that community. And then thirdly, he says that we are to raise our children, according to the book, to be resourceful. Resourcefulness is a, listen, hang in there, tough it out, try, and try again. It's a figure-it-out attitude brought to the challenges of life. And then this threefold core emanates all of the more specific attributes of good character. Honesty, for example, derives from personal responsibility and respect for others. Charity comes about when people recognize their responsibilities to the larger community and especially to those less fortunate. Charity acknowledges dignity in every human being regardless of his or her status or circumstances in life and so on and on. Frugality. Compassion, industry, self-restraint, they all have their genesis in the three R's. Now, let's talk about each of them for just a minute. Let's talk about our children's need to learn respect. And here in the South, 
we say yes sir, yes ma'am, we say please, we say thank you. Our little boys are taught to let the girls go first. And as they get older, young men are taught to hold the door open for young women. And they're taught to respect their seniors, elders, and we model that for them. And you may say, well, I'm not from the South. I moved here from California, or I moved here from Chicago, and that's the problem. <laughs> you moved here. Notice, we didn't move there, so welcome to the South, sir. Can I get a witness up in here? <laughs> in all seriousness, we have a basic respect. And when, it, when we talk about respect, please understand this. This is a whole nother sermon. Our pop psychology, parenting, teaches us that our children need self-esteem. And none of us adults want to move into a cul-de-sac with other adults who have high self-esteem. Esteem means to be worthy, to have an appreciation and for us to think that we should raise a generation of children with high self-esteem is really in error, and we're seeing the results of doing that. We, I don't want my kids to have high self-esteem. The Bible says that we should have low self-esteem, that we should prefer others before ourselves. So, Pastor Chuck, what do you want for your kids? I want them to have self-respect. And I, again, this is a whole other sermon, but respect for self comes when I am able to respect others. And what happens in me creates a circular impact that when I honor and respect others, I feel a respect for me because they reciprocated. Are y'all out there? And again, that's a whole other sermon. You may, I may have upset you and you may be mad and going, we're going to a different church. Because my esteem is bruised, and so is my pride. And I pray my children don't have ears to hear what you're saying this morning. Well, you should move back to Chicago is all I can say. <laughs> Another word for respect is the word honor. I, again, I, I have so much to say in such a little time to say it. But this is one of the commandments. And I, I, most of the kids will be here in the next service. But I want to say, this is not just for youngsters. This is for all of us. The fifth commandment, you should know it, Exodus 20, verse 12, says honor or respect your father and mother. And there's a, there's a reciprocated promise in that, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. There's, everybody look here. Um, in honoring your parents, you live longer in the place destined for you. God is telling the children of Israel, when you go into the promised land, one of the ways to be able to sustain my God, my destiny for you is if we will have a culture where children honor their parents. Let me say to all of us, I don't know any healthy, spiritually mature person who dishonors their parents. And, and you, whether they're honorable or not, and honor is... Um, Danny Silk, in the, the book, The Culture of Honor, 
He talks about honor is when I'm able to treat you the way that God sees you. Your destiny, you living in, a, in that promised land, and I'm able to honor you. And many of us have come to understand the weaknesses in our Father, and some of us, we need counseling to be able to process this. I don't honor my dad because he was perfect. I, I honor him because I've come to understand the limitations in his own experience that kept him from being perfect. The Bible says that we are to honor our parents. When my mom and dad got older, we could have paid. I have other siblings. We could have paid to get their yard mowed. But I knew how much they loved it. It was me having to be there, and it's usually one or two of the kids, having to go all the way over to South Forsyth, load up the mowers. go. And my dad, in his, old, in his last years, he would take a metal chair because he couldn't get around anymore. He would sit out there in the front yard and just watch me mow. And then he would move it around to the back and watch me mow. And he would say, Bub, I'm sorry, I can't help. And he'd say, I don't know if you realize how much your mother and I appreciate this. And it's in honoring our parents. Things go well. Something is going on in the inside of a person when they're able to show other people respect and honor. Oh, if I could just take every child and say, if there's one thing after you come to Christ, I'd say get full of the Spirit. And the second thing I would say is, oh, 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 please learn how to honor and respect your parents and every other person of authority the Lord puts in your life. How many of your parents know what I'm talking about? It's true. And, and the Bible says if you don't do it, you're going to die an early age. So you better get with it in Jesus' name. Amen? I'm not kidding. It's so important. Deuteronomy 5 mentions the same thing. Paul mentions it in the New Testament. Ephesians 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Danny Silk in the book, The Culture of Honor, he says, listen to this, life flows through honor. The clear fruit of establishing a culture of honor is that the resurrection life of God begins to flow into people's lives, homes, and communities that brings healing, restoration, blessing, joy, hope, and wholeness. And he says that is a supernatural culture where heaven is experienced on the earth. How many of you want to experience heaven in your home, heaven in your family, heaven on earth? Come on, amen? My dad taught me to love Jesus, to love the church, to love people. Dad taught me to love hard. He taught me not to take more food on my plate than I planned to eat. He taught me to not throw away leftovers ever, even if it's got penicillin growing on them. He taught me to turn the life's lights off when I leave the room. He taught me to keep the doors closed and don't be wasteful with the air condition in the summer and the heat in the winter. He taught me to respect him and others. Dennis Prager talks about kids today need guardrails more than they need love the way most parents understand love today. 
Most love right now is, it's not real love. Guardrails is real love. Kids need that. My dad taught me to do the, I drive the staff crazy. I run around closing doors and bringing the AC down and people start sweating. And then we sneak in there and turn it back up or whatever we need. But my dad taught me to appreciate and to respect these things. And if I did not have a problem to honor him. Y'all out there? Second thing, responsibility. We're able to do. Teaching our kids to be responsible makes them able to do what they're supposed to do, when they're supposed to do it, the way they're supposed to do it, without making excuses. There are three kinds of people in the world, those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those who sit around wondering what just happened. We don't want to raise those kind of kids, do we, dads? The Bible talks about it. Romans chapter 14 says, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Second Thessalonians says, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. How many of you need that in our families? Amen? How many of you want? If you don't work, you don't eat. We've, we've had too many government handouts and, and socialism is not work. Go to work, you'll feel better about yourself, you'll earn something and the food will taste better. I'm not going to get political, but I do want you to know this is what the Bible says. Luke 12, verse 48, to whom much is given, much will be required. Romans 1, verses 18 through 20, look, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, look, so that they are without excuse. John Roseman teaches us that you lie in the bed you made. You have to paddle your own canoe and you stew in your own juices. We understand as dads, that you will stand before God one day and your mother and father will not be able to represent you or to explain why you did this or that. And we are commissioned by God to prepare you for that day. So we want you to learn to be responsible. Amen? Thirdly and lastly, we want you to be resourceful, to have an ability to figure it out, to find what is needed, to somehow get it done. My dad taught me how to paint and do some carpentry work. My dad was an old Marine. He taught me how to shine my shoes. He taught me how to check the oil in my car, change a flat tire, and present myself well for a job interview. And my mom taught me how to sew a little bit. And she gave me her green thumb. And honestly, if, if we do run in, out of food in this country, the Ramses are going to be okay, and I have my mom and dad to thank for it. In the Old Testament, children were parents, and so they had to teach them to be resourceful. And this is why Candace and I had seven of them. We're going to be fully taken care of when we retire. And you parents, I mean, you kids need to know, I tell mine this, if you give me problems now, 
when you're taking care of me, I'm going to pay you back. How many of you feel like that's what the word of the Lord teaches? Amen? So, lastly, being resourceful. There's so many places in Scripture, the parable of the talents. And brothers and sisters, especially youngsters, listen. Just the Ephesians 6 passage. Spiritual warfare is going to happen. And we're not going to be able to protect you for it. So we want you to become resourceful. Put on the armor of God. Learn how to pray in the Spirit on all occasions so that when it comes, you can stand. Colossians chapter 2, verses 23 and 4. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. We're raising you so that you will understand that you're working for the Lord. So do everything with excellence. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Look what it says. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep and get off of Facebook? A little sleep, a little slumber, a few more video games, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber. Proverbs 13 verse 4 says, Lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. I want everybody in the room, I'm going to give you a quiz, and we're closing with this. On a scale of 1 to 10, I want you to give yourself a score on respect, responsibility, and resourcefulness. So, real quick, everybody pull out or write it, or if you can figure it in your mind, do it. And all of you adults do the same. How respectful are, are you of others? How easy do you find it to be consistent in honoring others? Scale of 1 to 10. Give yourself a score. Everybody got a number in mind? Y'all are, everybody got a number in mind? You want me to pray for you or you want us to give you a number? Secondly, re responsibility. Where are you on a scale of 1 to 10? And then thirdly, lastly, on being resourceful. Where are you on a scale of 1 to 10? Now add those three up. Everybody good? How many of you have a number? Okay. All right, so if you scored 15 or less, you need to join our mission to the Amish people in Pennsylvania this fall. If you scored 16 to 20 young people, you cannot miss youth group for the next 12 months on Wednesday nights. You must be there. And if you're an adult and you scored 16 to 20, you must go with your children to the youth group. Fair enough? If you scored 21 to 25, you must have a pen and paper every Sunday so that you can take notes of Pastor Chuck or whoever else is preaching sermon notes. And if you scored 25 or higher, you realize you don't deserve the credit. It's your parents that do. It's the Lord because you were raised right. Now, how many of you are thankful 
that even if you weren't raised right, you've got the Holy Spirit. He's teaching you, causing you to grow up and mature and persevere through the difficult stuff. Amen? Come on, stand to your feet with me. Speaking of honor and godly fathers, I want to invite Pastor Munn to come this morning to pray for our dads as we dismiss. And um, I want to say on behalf of our entire church family, how many of you know the position we have? Come on up, Pastor Munn. Give God a praise for this great man of God. Come over here, Pastor Munn. I, I know you're modest and all that stuff, but this morning we just want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our team, for being a valuable part of the leadership here. Hear me at 23 years old. You may hear the stories of what this church has been through and wonder what happened. Ministries go through difficult seasons. You go through some ups and you go through some downs. And this man is a survivor. We are here today because for 34 years, you held this church together and we celebrate you and honor you today. We love you as a father of this church. Would you pray for our dads? Would you take your dad by the hand or just would you reach out to your family members? Whatever, and it may be a mom raising you, being more of a dad. To, I just want us right now, if you'll pray over these homes and the, the structure of spiritual authority and discipleship in each of these homes. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are the perfect father. We're all broken and needy and imperfect in our lives as dads. But you're the perfect loving father that always gives grace and strength and wisdom. And you're there for us as we cry out to you. And Lord, I thank you for the wonderful dads in this church, the great men. I thank you for the father of this house, our pastor, Lord. Thank you for his leadership. And Lord, we just cry out to you right now that you will strengthen us, that you will give us the courage to build those guardrails, that you will give us impeccable integrity, Lord, through your grace and strength, that you'll make us humble men, humble men that will seek your face, that will be men that can be corrected, men that can be led, men that can follow Lord, we need you right now in this age. We cannot raise our children in these times unless you give us the strength and wisdom. And we know that you will because you said if we lack wisdom to ask and you would give it to us. Lord, we pray right now over every man in this house that you will give us spiritual wisdom with all understanding. That you'll give us knowledge, Lord, that we can raise our sons and daughters in the way of the Lord. And Father, for all the men, for all the fathers that are here that had hurting, wounding relationships with their earthly dad, whether they were left, deserted, forsaken, whether they were hurt, bruised in any way, emotionally or even physically, even sexually, right now in the name of Jesus, we pray your healing over their lives and that they will rise up. It's not by accident that in the Bible, 200, almost 200 times, God is called Father. 
you wanted us to get it. And so, Lord, help us to get it right now. Lord, we receive every father in this house right now. Receive new strength, new courage. And we say together, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We don't care what darkness surrounds us or what confusion fills the land. We stand today in the grace of God and the strength of the word and everything we need. Thank you for doing it today, Father. We bless these men in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Pastor Mon. Praise the Lord. Happy Father's Day to all of you and those of you young men, before you know it, you're going to be bringing a baby home after you get married. Can I get a witness? May the Lord bless you all, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Everybody say it. I receive it. God bless you all. Have a great afternoon. We love you.